<laughs> Thank you, George. I did need Google Maps to get here today, but uh, I've arrived. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I, w- I was watching you online because I had man's flu. You know what man's flu is? Yeah, just a bad, bad cold. Yeah, it's not even that. And then last week, I was, um, I was preaching at Caversham Baptist, uh, and before that, I had gone to Ireland to um, be at a friend's funeral, and I happened to mention at the Baptist church to forgive me, because when I go back to Ireland, I get the accent topped up, and uh, if, you can't, uh, if you can't understand me, then, well, it's too bad, but I thought I would tell them a little joke, a little Irish joke just before I would preach, but it did backfire. <laughs> it really did backfire. I had a senior moment, and I'd, I had forgotten completely the punchline. <laughs> and I made it up, and I said, drink water. And I thought, what do you want, Billy? Just get on and preach. So I thought today would be a little opportunity to tell that Irish joke. <laughs> Some of you would have heard it already, but it will help me to know that the next time I go away and preach, I can hit the punchline. Now, if I don't hit the punchline now, I'm I'm giving it up. I'll sit down. But there's an Irish preacher who was preaching against the evils of alcohol. And he gets a glass of water and a little worm, and he puts the worm in the water, and the worm starts to swim around. Then he gets a glass of whiskey, and he transfers the worm from the water into the whiskey, and the the worm dies. And he said, now, what does that teach you against the evils of alcohol? And a little lady at the back gets up and says, Pastor, if you've got worms, drink whiskey. (laughs) What did I say? Drink water. (laughs) I thought. (laughs) I'll try. I'll try and keep to the preaching. Praise God. In past weeks, Pastor Keith has been sharing on vision, and we're looking at today mission in our day. I want us to read uh, from. All right, okay, it's, it's Mark, it's not Matthew. I thought I got the wrong reading. It's just the wrong uh, person. I think it's found in Mark, not Matthew, but we've got the right verse anyhow. So if you're looking at Matthew, you're wrong. Go to the next house. It's Matthew. Praise God, I'm no longer the senior leader. You'd be going every, every direction. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them, and they came to him bring, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let 
down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith and said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, we've been hearing much about our vision and our statement. And I love it. Because it's all on mission. It's all on discipleship, legacy, and worship. Making Jesus known to everyone, everywhere. What a bottle cry. What a bottle cry. That is what we are about as a church. To make Jesus known to everyone, everywhere. Before we look at the keys to mission in our day and reaching a world that is broken, I want us for a moment to focus on four men. Four men who were concerned enough, broken enough, to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. They did not give up even though they couldn't get in the house. Even though there was no room. In fact, there's going to come a day that there will be no room here. Uh, please don't start breaking through the roof. <laughs> but these men were so determined to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus, they uncovered the roof. Now, the roof in those days and today are flat. But they had to uncover the roof. Because they wanted their friend to know the healing power of God. And I believe that the risen Christ is still alive, amen. And his power is still available today. And his healing is still available today, amen. But are we concerned enough as a congregation to bring our friends into the presence of God. Thank God that part of our slogan is, is, is worship. And thank God for the great time of, of worship that we can spend Sunday after Sunday. But worship is more than just worshiping here on Sundays. Worship is a lifestyle lived for God that people will sense and know the presence of God with me and in me. Amen. That's worship. Am I concerned enough to bring my family, my friends, into the presence of God through prayer? Let me challenge you that we don't give up. Don't give up in connecting with those who are lost. And maybe you've been praying and praying and praying and asking and asking and inviting and sharing. Keep on doing it because as you sow the seed, God will honor. Amen. We did a series several years ago in this church. It was called Walk Across the Room. It was an evangelistic tool of teaching us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and learning to walk across the room. You know, the one of the biggest problems in our society today, particularly in the south of England, is there are a lot of lonely people. All we need to do sometimes is walk across the room and say hello. 
You don't even have to preach. You just have to be nice and kind and loving and and, and show concern. Walk across the room. I'm amazed at our, and this is not knocking our culture because I've been living in it for 38, 39 years, but I'm amazed at the southern English culture, how reserved we can be. I mean, I'm, when I first came to Reading, I was walking down Broad Street saying good morning, and they would look. <laughs> who's, who's he saying good morning to me? People wouldn't speak. People were in their own little box and in their own little space. But you know, we need to break out of that, don't we, amen? We need to break out of that and connect with a broken world. Even if it's just saying, good morning, hello, going to your neighbor and and offering a cup of coffee or tea or a cake, particularly those who move into your area. That is connecting. That's extending the kingdom of God. What's the motive for our mission in our day? What is the motive in, in, in sharing our faith, in serving others? It must be love. Love. It was Paul who said, the love of Christ compels us. What compelled you? These four men were so compelled by love for their friend that they uncovered the roof to where Jesus was. That's what I call persistence. That's what I call not giving up. When I, when I read this story, I often think, who paid for the roof? <laughs> After all, they did much damage. But there is a cost in discipleship, in reaching a world that needs to hear the message of the gospel. So what is the motive for mission in our day? Our battle cry, we've heard it, make Jesus known to every man, everywhere, amen. That's not just here on Sundays, that's at the office, Making the presence of God felt because of who we are. Why? Because we are Christ ones. Whereby the spirit of God is in us. We're not into religion. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. We hate religion. But I'm into a relationship with God. Where God fills me with his spirit. And leads me into opportunities to share the good news. Someone said... We do not automatically have a concern for evangelism. We do not drift into it, for it is a costly business. It cost God his son. It cost Jesus gaping wounds, blood, mocking laughter. When the four men took their paralyzed friend to Jesus... They had to tear up the roof to get him to the Savior. Someone had to pay for the roof. But we must be motivated by love. Broken enough. Concerned enough. To love people. To pray for people. 
to know that discipleship is just not a matter of coming to church, but walking with God and walking in the Spirit and extending the kingdom of God in our lives. It means being kind. You know that my kindness can lead to someone's repentance? Because God's kindness to me has led to my repentance. And everything we do as a church, listen, everything that we do as a church must be missional. That is why we are here. That is why we exist. Our good friend John Knox, yesterday morning, he went to glory. But I can assure you, he has left a great legacy him and his, his former wife, Val, in Spain for many, many years. They left a great legacy, amen. His life was missional. But his life now is no longer missional. It's only here on earth we have the opportunity to share the gospel. And then I just say that death comes, it comes, and that's it. I was talking to John on Monday. I was hoping to go and visit him just after half term. He was hoping to have the grandchildren dying this week and ends up in hospital and dies shortly after. Can I just challenge you in your walk with God? If you've drifted from God, come back to God because you don't know that you'll have tomorrow. If you don't know the Lord, come to accept the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the only way, the only way to true salvation. Everything we do, the hangout that we put on this Wednesday, what's that all about? It must be missional. It's connecting with a society out there who don't know Jesus. Really? Yes. Well, I don't get preaching. It doesn't matter. You're showing your life of love and kindness. Mums and toddlers, why do we have so many mums and, and fathers in here on a Wednesday? And most of them from different religions. It's to show them that there is another way. Amen. We may not get the opportunity to verbally say something, but thank God it is missional. Amen. Warm welcome. Why do we do that on a Tuesday? Just to give out food so that people can be... can. Uh, have a, a, a good meal? No. It's more than that. It's to show, to have a connection. Amen. Torch. Why do we help people move homes? Those who are single and don't have opportunity to have help. And those who need a phone call. Those who need gro- groceries. Those who need help. Why? It's missional. I was called out the other week. I thought, well, I could take that job on. No, I didn't know what the job was. It was just the RG1 area. I thought, well, I'm not having to, I don't have to prepare to preach this week. I could take that one on. And uh, I thought, that should be close to the church. Well, it wasn't close to the church. It happened to be near Whitliffe. And then I discovered what the job was. It was moving a sofa out of a living room. I thought, well, that will be good for my back, but uh, that's okay. And then the message came through, well, he won't be able to get it through the door because it's too big. So take a sledgehammer with you. (laughs) Boy, did I enjoy banging that. (laughs) All my frustration, everything. But why do we do that? The guy was called Adrian. 
I still pray for him. I didn't get the opportunity to, to, to talk to him about the Lord. He does know we're from the church. Do you hear me? It is missional. There will come a day when he will move and someone else will come in, amen. And someone else, that's how the spirit works, amen. You think you need to bring them to salvation? You don't. You just move them on from one to two to three. Do you hear me? Just be kind. I didn't get the opportunity. I didn't feel led. I didn't feel prompted off the spirit. If I, if I seized an opportunity, fine. But if I, if I become a nuisance, and some of us we become a nuisance because we speak at the wrong time. I, had a, I was home, as I say, um, just the other week for a friend's funeral. And my brother, uh, David, he was telling me a story. And uh, whilst David occasionally may go to church, but uh, he was telling me a story. And I often pray for them. But he was telling me a story how on a Wednesday, because of his disability he goes swimming at Lisburn swimming pool and I often pray for my family I often try and witness to my family but you don't always get that opportunity because in a family context it's even harder I said Bill you wouldn't believe but I was t- a guy I'm swimming with on a he's disabled too he's moved from from the falls which was a IRA ghetto as George and I would know in Belfast and I was swimming with him and he told me that five years ago he became a Christian I said yes Yes, but he he was one of the top, one of the guys in the IRA. And he moved from Belfast to Lisburn. I thought, isn't that amazing? How God will just bring someone else in. David said he saw the light. That's the way David put it. He saw the light. You see what I'm saying? Your life must be missional. Be kind. Don't think you have to start preaching to people. Don't think, oh, you must bring them to a place of salvation. It doesn't always happen. But be good, amen. Wherever you work, wherever you are at the school gate, just seize the opportunity when the Holy Spirit brings. We have bed for a night. Well, what's all that about? Lose a night's sleep so that other guys can sleep. No, it's more. It's about connecting. These are not just social events. I'm not into the social gospel. But I want to provide warmth. I want to provide food. I want to provide help and kindness as a means of bringing people into the presence of Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. I'm preaching today from the new pulpit, by the way. I promise I won't put any stains on it, Keith. <laughs> Praise God. I better get on with it because I'm, 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 I'm going off uh, cue here. And when I do that, you end up here all day. Don't want that. Isn't it good to be alive? Huh? Good to be alive. Make the most of your life, friend. You don't know how long you've got. Make the most of it. And then we have a model for mission in our day. Jesus must be the model in reaching people. He got involved in their lives. He connected. He loved. He served. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he was willing to pay the cost by investing his life in the life of other people around him. Unlike the religious leaders of the day who preferred to stay in the safety of a pulpit, shouting. But Jesus was a friend 
of publicans and sinners. People were drawn to him because of his love, because of the warmness of his personality, his willingness to share life with them, opened a door of opportunity to serve and to minister. And we too need to be involved deeply in the lives of other people. We need to think of ourselves into their culture and their problems and feel with them in their pain. We just can't shout the gospel at a distance and not get involved in their lives. We need that connection. I love this story, and we don't have time to look at it in detail, the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. He made a point of contact. And we, too, need to take that initiative in making connection. It's like walking across the room. You see someone in the office. They're at a celebration or a party, and they're by themselves. You walk across the room, and you say hello. He meets her on common ground. What does he talk about? He talks about water. You know, when I, and I need to really, I can remember the days Keith and I would have gone around this area in 1985. Yes. Keith was still in nappies, by the way, but I took him along with me. Can you remember those days? I was in my prom. Were you in your prom? I'm pushing it now. I can remember us going around this area, and we would have knocked the doors, didn't we? Knock the doors. I need to get back to that. Making connection with people. Making connection. But if I, if I came to a house and I, I saw the garage was open and I saw a set of golf clubs. You know, I didn't talk about the Lord. I talked about the golf. Really, pastor? Yes. Because I made connection with something in common. Hear what I'm saying? That's what Jesus did. He started talking about water. He showed compassion. He didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her. And so often, we're, we're ready to, to, to give an answer. We're ready to, to, to go a step too far. No, he accepted her. We don't, we don't particularly like and approve of lifestyles and the way people live today. But that doesn't mean we don't accept people. We accept people and we love people, amen. So how can we reach a broken society? How can we express the kingdom of God to those who are lost, living with no hope, no purpose, no future? Malcolm Duncan, one of our Elam pastors now ministering in Belfast, he said, the kingdom of God does not need new ideas. It needs hands, and hearts, and lives ready to lay themselves down for others. That's what it needs. And then we have method for mission in our day. In Matthew 5 and 13, Jesus explained the plan for influencing the world. He came up with a formula that would have impact on people around us. He talked about the fact that we are salt and we are light. We are salt of the earth. We are light of the world. Isn't that amazing? Two metaphors of salt 
and light. We don't hide behind the pillars, weak and timid. We go forward, amen, and letting this world know that the kingdom of God reigns, amen. We are salt and we are light. Now, a preacher of old came up with this equation, and you think, what on earth is Pastor Billy on about now? Very simple. Here's the equation of salt and light. HP plus CP plus CC equals maximum impact. So I've given you the result. I just should have said MI. Maximum impact. What does it mean? Well, the Word of God challenges us to arrange our lives in such a way that it will have the highest spiritual impact on the people around us. That is why Jesus said, you are salt and you are light. Now, what does salt do? These days, it makes us very nervous. And some of you dare not put too much salt on your dinner. In fact, many of you probably don't use salt. Well, I do like a little, I must admit. Thank God I'm still around to tell the tale. But salt, what does it do? Well, we're quite nervous. It can give us high blood pressure. But what did Jesus mean when he said, you are salt? Salt, well, it makes you thirsty. That's why at the bars, not that I frequent the bars, but they tell me. (laughs) Why are you all laughing? They tell me, that there they'll have nuts and everything else. Why, 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 why would they give you free nuts? To make you thirsty. Why? So that you drink more. It spices things up. I know when I cook my food, I like a little bit of salt in it. It gives a little bit of taste. It, per, it per, preserves. In our modern day, uh, we have our fridges and freezers But in biblical days, it was used to keep things from going bad. So salt holds back decay. It preserves from corruption. So salt stimulates thirst. And when we are in tune with the Spirit, living with a sense of God's presence, with peace and joy in our lives, what do we do, whether it's in the office In the workplace, at school, what are we doing? We are creating a spiritual thirst to people around us. Amen. Come on, church. We should be interesting, exciting people to be around. Where people ask questions, why are you so peaceful? I would give them a good answer. Do you hear what I'm saying? We should be exciting people in the sense that we bring excitement, tasting things up. Because the world is lost. It's broken. No sense of purpose. No sense of peace. But we have peace. So what does HP represent? High potency. And the key in our evangelism, in walking across the room is to be led by the Spirit, to having a sense of God's presence with me, where I have the opportunity, 
where the Spirit of God brings that opportunity for me. Maybe God would give me words, words of knowledge about the people I'm talking about. He may lead me in ways where, where I naturally wouldn't go, but the Spirit leads me, and the door opens for me to bring people God's word. But I carry God's presence with me. And to do that, I need to be filled with the Spirit. And as his church, amen, we are, not, we are meant to show the world how to live. Come on, show the world how to live. And once we start living as the people of God with a dynamic spirit-filled life, then we will have an impact on our community. You see, your life, your life may be the only people that, pe- that people will read. Really? Yes. So what are they reading? What are they reading? Secondly, for any impact to take place, salt has to get close to whatever it is supposed to affect. And here's another key to our evangelism. A strong enough concentration of Christ in my life, HP, but also I need CP, close proximity. We need to get close to the world in which to influence it. You see, separation from the world does not mean isolation from the world. You're meant to be in the world, being the salt, bringing what is corrupted, bringing something of God into the mix. Amen. Unless, someone said, unless salt gets out of the shaker, it remains a good table ornament. I don't want us to be a good good-looking table ornament. We need to get out to where people are. The marketplace, the school gates, governors at the schools. We need to be in the workplace, be friendly in college and university, offer a helping hand, connect to a lonely world. God forbid that we fail in our mission, but we are good looking table ornament. But there's no close proximity. And then the final part of this equation is clear communication. That's why I said you are light of the world. What does light do? It gives, it gives direction. It reveals. The light metaphor provides the final component of this equation. We need to know how to communicate the gospel, not just living our lives with consistency and authenticity. We need to learn to seize the opportunities that come along and speak words of power into people's lives. And the greatest service one person can render to another is bringing them to Jesus. Can I ask you to be wise? Sometimes we can be overzealous. We become overzealous and we're, we're, we're in there right away and the ground is not prepared. And we do more harm than good because of our overzealousness. But we can't go the other end and, and just 
say nothing when the opportunity does arise. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we need to be wise. We need to be sensitive. We need to be careful that we don't use jargon, you know, words that people don't understand. Saved. Well, what does that mean? I remember when I was evangelizing my first days out of college in Plymouth, I said to a guy as he's walking down the street, I was handing him a track. I said, are you saved? He said, it's okay, I save at Barclays Bank. I, I thought, Billy, you're going to have to polish up on your evangelism. So you need to watch. Watch, watch your words. See, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let me just try and wrap this up. You have a powerful, powerful tool at your disposal. The Bible makes it quite clear in Revelation. What is it? It is the power of the word of your testimony. Amazing. See, you can argue all day, but may not change a thing. But your testimony is powerful. I can remember working on the building site and a young guy who joined us. I was at the site just for one day. I heard he was a Christian. And he shared his testimony. And it was quite a strange testimony, really, because he didn't really say much. He said, Billy, let me put it this way. Before I was a Christian, I was dead. And now I'm alive. And that's it. I thought, that's strange. But the Spirit of God used that. That was my first taste of what it was to be a Christian. To this day, he doesn't know I became a Christian. Isn't it amazing that when we all get to heaven, it's going to be strange. People who are, who are there and people who aren't there. Huh? But in your testimony, you have a before and after. And I often, when I start my testimony, I often say, well, before I was a Christian, and I do bring up golf because it was part of my life. I was addicted to golf. I will bring that up. And I mention about how uh, addicted I was to playing golf and I maybe go down that road before. But yet there was still something missing. Yes, I went to church occasionally, but there was something missing. There was something missing in my life, real purpose and real peace. And whilst I enjoyed golf to a degree and had a measure of success, but there was still something missing. Until my friend, my Catholic friend, came to know God's salvation and his life changed. And he invited me to understand the gospel. And when I understood that Jesus died for me and I received him, my life completely changed. Before I was unfulfilled, and now I have purpose. And I can go on, I can stop there. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is a before and after. But in the middle, I talk about my experience of coming to Christ. You have a testimony, amen. Let me just finish with this. Supposing you're standing, you're standing at uh, the bus stop. Some of us still use the bus standing there, and you get the opportunity. Somehow, the opportunity comes for you to, they're interested in, I don't know how, but the opportunity comes. 
if you, if you try and create the opportunity, you will become a nuisance. You don't create the opportunity. You allow the spirit to bring the opportunity and you seize it. But you get, you get two minutes, two minutes. The opportunity is there, two minutes to share the gospel. What would you say in two minutes? Oh, don't know, pastor. There's an awful lot to explain in the gospel. What would you say if you had two minutes before the boss came? Here's what I would say. I would say, well, let me explain to you. Let's just imagine for a minute, not that it's the case, but Pastor Keith, he's the sinner. I enjoyed that one. (laughs) I say, Keith, let, let me explain it this way. Religion is spelt D-O. Things that I have to do. As Christianity is spelt D-O-N-E. Done. It's not what you do. It's what God has done for you. And so if I have something in my pocket, like my keys, let me explain this way. Here is God, perfect. Perfect and holy. And here's me, and if you look at these set of keys I have in my hand, this is me here, and these keys represent my brokenness and my sin. And I try and reach God, but in my, in my good works, no matter how many times I go to church, no matter how many, m- much money I give, I will never reach God, because the Bible says, all have come short. We're all broken. We, we, we have sinned, we, we, we'll never reach God. But the amazing thing about Christianity, it's not what I do, it's what God has done for me. And this is what God has done. God sent his son, who is the son of God, who came into this world to die on a cross for my sin and for my punishment. And he took my sin and punishment upon himself. And when I come to accept him, come to believe in him, Acknowledge him, I am reconciled with God. The bus turns up. That was two minutes. Two minutes. Christianity is spelled D O N E, religion is spelled D O. Now I'm going to conclude this morning. It's been a strange way to finish a sermon. But ma'am, I'm speaking to someone here today. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe someone online and you don't know the Lord. And I'm going to pray in a moment. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And whilst I've helped you as a congregation to evangelize effectively and to fulfill the mission in our day, maybe there's someone here this morning and you need to come to faith and repentance. You need to just acknowledge the Lord as I said earlier on, you don't know if you've got tomorrow. So I was hoping to visit John Knox next week. John's not in glory. So if God is tugging your heart today, whether you're watching online or you're here in our presence, why don't you come to a place of faith and repentance? And if that is you, just lift up your heart and say, that's me. Just acknowledge, yes, I'm coming. I'm coming to God. The Spirit of God is tugging on my heart and I am making my peace with God. Is that you today? Online, 
that you can make this prayer, which I'm going to make right now. And you too today in this building, you can make the same prayer. And please come to me afterwards. And say, yes, pastor, I've made peace with God today. I've come back. I've started this Christian faith. And if you are watching online, why don't you make the same prayer? Dear Father, I come to you this day in the name of Jesus. And I acknowledge you as my God and as my Savior. I repent and I come in faith asking you, O God, that you forgive me as I now receive the gift of eternal life. Be my God, be my Lord, be my refuge and strength as I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, why don't you come to Pastor Keith or I or someone you know. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you some literature. God bless you.